He is indeed the God of miracles. Let's, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come this morning. And God, um, as we gather here this morning, we're mindful of uh, the losses that have been experienced in our congregation. We ask for your comfort and peace in each of those circumstances. We're mindful of uh, the situation that uh, is really just going on around the world right now, Lord. Um, The worry, the concern, the fear. God, we pray that you would use this circumstance for your glory. We pray for revival. We pray for transformation. We pray for healing. We pray for your help, God. We are so thankful that uh, we have a God who loves us, um, who's not hindered by any situation, circumstance, virus, or anything else. We thank you that you are powerful. And not only that you're powerful, but that you love us. So Lord, we place each of our circumstances in your hands. We place our lives in your hands. We ask that you use them for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. This morning I'll be sharing from Exodus chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, join me there. Um, When I was a a child, I I watched a TV show, and I I really can't be sure, but I think even then it was in reruns. It's a pretty old show, so some of you probably know about it, some of you may not. It's a show called F Troop, okay? It was a silly comedy fun. I enjoyed it. Um, at the beginning, there's this song, and I won't sing the song for you. Uh, I know that saddens you, but I'll restrain from that particular exercise. But there was a song, and it was, ta- it was basically telling the story of how the commander um, got his position, how he came to uh, uh, his position of authority. And um, and what it said was that he was in the middle of a battle. I'm summarizing here. Um, he's in the middle of a battle, and he accidentally sounded retreat. And because he accidentally sounded retreat, he, he actually ended up leading his people to victory. And everybody was like, wow, he's a great leader. And so they put him in charge of this troop, F troop, a bunch of misfits. Um, and as I was preparing for the sermon this week, and and I was thinking about an illustration to, to kind of get started. That, that really, I think, kind of encapsulated what I want to talk about today. I've been talking over the last several weeks um, about finding peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all these difficulties, in the midst of all these things we're dealing with. How do we find peace? How do we, how do we experience being still? And what I've come to the conclusion of as I've looked over these passages and dealt with these scriptures and looked at what God's word has to say is that ultimately what it all boils down to is surrender. It all boils down to retreating to victory. Joseph Campbell put it this way. He says, we must let go of the life we have planned so as to accept the one that is waiting for us. And I think there is no lesson we've learned more than that during this time, than than that truth. We have to let go of some things, some things that we were counting on, some plans that we made, um, 
some experiences we thought we would uh, be enjoying. Uh, I know several of uh, our students, Kayla being one, they were anticipating graduating next Saturday, walking, getting that whole experience, walking across the stage. Several of our high school students are dealing with that as well. You know, we've, we've had to let go of some things that we were looking forward to, that we were hoping for. But I think if we do that in the mindset and in the perspective and in the outlook that we're surrendering to God, we can find a way forward. We can find a, a path forward that grants us victory, that allows our retreat to be a victory, that allows our surrender to be a win. And that's, that's kind of what I want to look at this morning, that, that, that truth. And, and to do that, I want to look in Exodus 14. And this is a, a passage that at least you know the story of. If you've ever watched the Ten Commandments, you know, every Easter, just a couple of weeks ago it was on. If you've ever watched it, you've seen this scene. This is a big scene in the, the, the scriptures there. Um, and where it is, is, is Israel's right up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is approaching from behind. And it's chaos, you can imagine. All of those people, all the fear that's enveloping them as they see the chariots that are approaching them, as they, they, they envision what's going to happen. And we find that expressed for them beginning here in verse 10. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which we will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent, to be still. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh, that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. This is a story about a chaotic scene, a scene, a circumstance that looked unwinnable, that looked like the end, that looked like everything they'd ever envisioned, hoped for, dreamed for was done. And yet God's answer, God's response is surrender to me. Surrender to me. And, and we need to realize that there's, there's no shame in surrendering to God. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of of giving up. 
It's not a sign of, of being less than you think you are in some sense or some way. It is, it's a gift. It's an empowerment. It's a deliverance that we get to experience, that we get to see. But what do I mean by surrender? What, what does that even look like? We say the words, I surrender all. We sing that hymn, you know. What does that really mean? Because if I'm being honest, I like to sing I surrender all, and I like to say my life is in God's hands. But boy, let things start to go wrong, and I start planning. I start manipulating. I start organizing. I start looking for ways around this. I start looking for answers outside of him. I start looking for conspiracies. I start looking for all sorts of things. So what does surrender mean? Well, surrender, first of all, it means putting something in someone else's hands. It's giving it to them. It's saying, here, this is yours. Verse 13, fear not, stand firm, see God's deliverance. Let go of the fear. Okay. Stand firm, see God's deliverance. Now, again, that's, that, that's not easy. It wouldn't have been easy for the Israelites seeing the Egyptians march on them. Fear not. What you see is something that's fearful. What you see, what you understand, what you are experiencing is something that naturally gives rise to fear. Stop it. Stop it. How can you stop it? You can stop it by trusting God. You can, you can stop it by seeing how big he is. That's where we started this whole thing. This whole journey, this whole message series. Who is this man that even the seas listen to his voice? That's Jesus. That's the one who delivers. That's the one who we follow. Stand firm. It's, it's actually better translated or more fully translated, let me put it that way. It's, stand firm is a great translation, but it, a more full translation would be stay where you're at. Stay where you are. Okay? When it's time to move, I'll tell you it's time to move. When it's time to respond, when it's time to react, when it's time to, to deal with these things, when it's time for you to take part in this whole situation, I'll let you know. But for right now, stay where you are. Again, that grows straight out of the idea of do we trust God with our circumstances? Do we see how big and how powerful and mighty he is? Because God will bring deliverance. The Lord will fight for you. Now, I think this is probably... The hardest part of the whole journey is, is handing it off to God. And, and I think it's hard because we're afraid. I think it's hard because we have influences in our lives that have shown us different ways of dealing with things. Whether it's, you know, trusting government, trusting medicine, trusting science, trusting these other things. Those are all 
a part of who we are. They're a part of how God has designed the world. They're, they're a part of how we learn and how we grow. I'm not in any way saying don't trust science or don't trust, you know, what we're instructed to do. I'm not in any way saying that. Don't, please don't take me that way. But what I am saying is that that's become our default first response. And our default first response needs to be trusting God. That whatever government or science or whatever else tells us we need to do, whether it's wearing masks, staying distant or whatever, that at the heart of it, we're trusting that God's going to work through that. God's going to move through that. God's going to respond to that. It's hard because... We've become hardened, I think, over the, the te- over the years. I think there have been times, you know, you know, I look at, at kids especially. Kids are, are generally really good at trust, okay? If, if they know you, okay, if they've been with you, they're, they're going to take your word for something. You tell them to do something, they're going to do it. I remember jumping off buildings into my dad's arms. Why? Because he was my dad. I knew he was going to catch me. There ain't no way I'd do that now. Even if I knew the person was strong enough to catch my big old self. I ain't jumping into anybody's arms right now. Okay, but a kid, you know, that's I think that's part of what Jesus is talking about. Develop a childlike faith. Okay. I think, however, somewhere along the lines our our consciences become hardened, our our minds become hardened. Maybe we feel like God let us down at some point in our life. We experience some hurt or some disappointment that has caused us to to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't put all of my confidence there. Maybe I shouldn't put all my trust there. And so because of that, we start start justifying our behavior. We start justifying our fear. We start rationalizing where we minimize our actions. Well, it's really not that big a deal if, if I don't give God that part of what I am or what I'm doing. I'll just hold on to that. I'll give him these parts. I'll give him my Sunday self. But my Monday through Saturday self, I'm going to kind of maintain a part of that. We start accusing. Well, God, you know, I trust you, but last time you really let me down. What I wanted to happen didn't happen, so... Obviously, maybe you're not as powerful or as in control as I thought. And ultimately, what that is, is it's expressing for a desire for something other than God. And I think that's really the heart of surrender. It's realizing that we don't ultimately need anything but him. We don't need these things that we're, quote, doing without they're nice, they're good, I enjoy them. God has given them to us to enjoy often. But we don't need them. At the end of the day, all we need is him. And that's the realization we need to come to. That's the, that's the conclusion we need to draw. And when we see that all we need is him, then we can give all that we have to him. We can surrender it. We place it in his hands. second part of surrender means that we do what we're told. 
That's a tough one. I've struggled with that since childhood. Doing what we're told. What's he say in this passage? He says, he says, why are you crying out to me? Don't cry out to me. Why are you worried about things I've already addressed? Is essentially what God's saying here. Why are you afraid of the Egyptians when I've already addressed this? You saw the ten plagues. Do you experience the wonder of that and how, you know, you had locusts and you had darkness and you had these flies and these gnats and these, these boils and, and all of these things, the, the blood and all that. You saw all those things and how the Egyptians were affected and you weren't. Now think about that. The locusts attack, the, the, the waters turn to blood, those sorts of things, and all the Egyptian holdings, all the Egyptian things, they're all affected, but not one, not one Israelite is. You know, it, it, it's, the, the plagues themselves are a miracle. But to think of the plagues as differentiating plagues, flies that attack one person standing next to another, now, some of you may think, well, that's my experience with mosquitoes. They attack <laughs> the person next to me, or they attack me and don't get anybody else. But, I mean, think about this in terms of the, the, the size of the plagues. And yet God differentiated each individual. You get the plague, you don't. Why? You're not mine, you are. And God here says to Israel, I've already addressed this issue. I've already dealt with the Egyptians. Why are you scared? And he would say to us today, I've already addressed every situation you're facing. The monetary ones, the loneliness, the fears, the isolation. I've addressed all those. I've given you ways to respond to all those. Why are you afraid? Why are you holding on to things you should have let go of long ago? Why are you letting that affect you? He says, he gives them three instructions. Now, now think about these instructions. The very first one is step forward. Now, you would think that would be the last one, okay? Because he says, step out. Okay. Step out and Moses part the waters. Then you would think he would say step forward. But that's not where he starts. He starts with step forward. Start moving in the direction of the Red Sea. Even before he's given the instruction to Moses to part the waters. Even before the waters have parted, God says step forward. And I think that's important, that, that order there, because he's, he's trying to get across to Israel, trying to get across to us, that if you wait until you've seen the action, that's not faith. Anybody can respond to things once the miracle has happened, so to speak. You step forward before that. You, you act on what God is saying before that. You see it later on when they cross the Jordan. What's it, what's it say? That when the priest's feet touched the waters of the Jordan, then it split. 
the beginning of this whole story, you see this. Moses says, God, give me a sign that you're really sending me and that this will be successful and, and that everything's going to work out. And God says, okay, here's your sign, Moses. When you're back here at Mount Sinai worshiping me with everybody, you'll know I was with you. How's that for a sign? Well, wait a minute. I want one now before I have to do anything. God said, no, when you're back here, you'll know I was with you. You've got to step out in faith. You've got to pursue these things. Walk through is the last of the instructions. The Israelites are to make passage where? On dry ground. You're looking at an ocean, a, a, a section, segment of the ocean. It's called a Red Sea, but it's, it's part of the ocean. And God says, I'm going to divide it. Not only am I going to divide it, but when it's divided, you'll walk through on dry ground. Land that was just seconds ago under hundreds of feet of water. It's now going to be dry. And you're going to walk on it. Follow through. Do what I've called you to do. And so, we've got to do what we're told. We've got to be consistent in prayer. We've got to be consistent in reaching out, fellowshipping. Even though we are isolated, there are tons of ways to be in contact with people. Over the last several weeks, I've, had, uh, I've held classes using this product called Zoom. I've got to see my students' faces all over Texas. Louisiana and other places where they live. Look at them face to face and talk. That's crazy. If you told me when I was a kid, one day you're going to be able to talk to somebody who's hundreds of miles away face to face and it's not going to cost you anything either. I'd have said, you're out of your mind. And yet that's what we can do. Even without that, even if you're not a technological person who can do that sort of thing, you have a phone. Call people. Talk to people. In your bulletins, you'll see that there's a list of, of birthdays. If you, if you have that person's number this week, call them. Reach out to them. It's their birthday. They need to hear from others. Take an opportunity to reach out and just encourage them and say, I'm thinking of you today. Happy birthday. We have the means to respond to these things. God's given us the power himself, the authority, the, 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 his presence, the peace to deal with all these things. Just need to listen to him. Ultimately, surrender means that God gets the glory. Notice how this passage, how this passage ends. God says that he's going to do all these things. He's going to, to carry out all these things. He's going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians, but he's also what? So that they may know that I am Yahweh, that I'm God. He's not just doing these things to deliver Israel. He's doing these things to express his greatness as God. And we need to understand that as we surrender and we give things to God, we're doing it not so that we do better, but so that he's glorified, so that he gets the honor, he gets the deliverance, he gets... Uh, he gets the recognition for the deliverance. He gets the glory. 
That's what surrender really is. I don't need any fame. I don't need any recognition. I don't need any of that. Let it all go to God. He must increase. I must decrease. He must be acknowledged. If you don't see me at all, I'm okay with that. I've surrendered to him. Is the servant better than the master? That's what we need to remember, what we need to recognize. And then we need to see and just step back and see the deliverance. Several chapters later in Exodus 19, 14 through 22, this is what we see. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. That phrase, on their right hand, on their left, it's something you see here. You see it throughout the book of Leviticus, throughout the book of Deuteronomy. It's a phrase that means totality, okay, the right and the left, everything. That's what it's meant to express biblically. And the idea is that as they walked through the waters, what they were experiencing was total and complete deliverance. It wasn't just deliverance from Egypt. It wasn't just deliverance from their circumstance. It was total. It was complete. It was thorough. That's what God provides. That's what God grants us. Total deliverance total victory. And when we see that and when we understand that, then surrender becomes not just something we wish we could do, something we're daily living to do. And that's my challenge to you, that as we deal with these circumstances, as we deal with the chaos, as we deal with all the things that are involved, that we do so from the mindset of God getting the glory and in that, we'll experience total deliverance. Whatever that deliverance looks like, we'll know it's total. Why? Because God did it. And we can trust him to his good purposes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. And God, we acknowledge our failures, our limitedness at being able to surrender, being able to, to give you all that we should be giving you. God, we pray that you would be with us today. We pray that you would help us in the midst of perhaps our fear, our confusion, in the midst of the chaos that the world currently represents. Help us, Lord, to, to not put our confidence in plans and trying to fix the situations ourselves and trying to see through things that may or may not be there, Lord, help us to put our trust in you. Help us to walk in you. Help us to find our confidence in you. Lord, help us to surrender. We want to surrender. We have surrendered. Help us surrender more. Help us to place all of this, 
all that we are, all that we experience in your hands. God, I pray for those who are struggling with illness. I pray for those who are struggling with loneliness that you would provide, that you would heal and that you would help. God, we pray that you would go with us now. Keep us in your hands and help us just to surrender with all we are. It's in Christ's name we pray these things.